you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks. Hey, we're honored today to have Pastor Jerry L. Antoy from the greatest church in America, Morningside Baptist Church here in Greenville, South Carolina. And uh, I think it's great to have you, brother. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thank you for having me, Brother Carriger. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm the associate pastor at Morningside Baptist, as you just mentioned. And so been there just a few months. So this is my first ministry position studied communication in my undergrad degrees and just was serving faithfully at Morningside. And so they hired me on. So it's been a pleasure to be there. So he kind of shows up a few years ago now. I What was it? Two years ago, three years ago, uh, brother, somewhere right. in there, right? right exactly. <laughs> somewhere in between those two. I remember I'm one of these guys. I've, I've been a Morningside or really in my heart for 11, only been a member for three uh, because we had to belong to another church for a former ministry we're in, but we're only there four or five weeks uh uh, a year. So it's pretty awesome when we go back, we get to know people and meet people. So today I wanted to bring Pastor Antoy on for several reasons, uh, one of which he's the associate pastor over at our church. Uh, the second reason, I think it's really important, is he's a, he's a gifted musician. He he plays piano. He's very gifted. He's a he's a gifted speaker. He's a gifted orator. Obviously, has a degree in communication. I have a degree in marketing with a little bit of communication somewhere jammed in there at the master's degree level. And and we're sitting here and we're talking about these things and how God can use different things. So our uh, word of the day is music. But before we start that, I want to tell you about a conversation I had uh, the other day with an 80-year-old lady. So I was down in Florida and I was with this 80-year-old lady who was getting ready to get married for the fourth time. Her first three husbands had died. So uh, I asked her about her husbands. I wanted more information. I wanted to know about these these husbands. And she said, well, my first husband... And she was talking about he was a banker. He was rich. He had all kinds of money. And uh, But she said, to, you know, the Lord called him home. She said, but my second husband, he worked in the circus. And, and he, you know, he was with Bonham and Bailey Circus. And he worked the shows. He was in charge of all that. And I was like, whoa, they're completely different, you know. And then she said, my third husband was a Baptist pastor. And I was like, whoa. Boy, they just couldn't be as different as possible. And I said, how about this fourth man that you're getting ready to uh, be married to this weekend? And she said, well, he's a funeral home director. And I said, wow. I said, you know, they're as different as different can possibly be. I said, what can you tell me about this? She said, well, uh, I married one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. And I'm sorry, folks, but I, I just couldn't help it, man. I heard that the other day on the radio, and I thought I'd go ahead and share it with you guys. So we know a couple of things when we start talking about the word music. We we know that music is mentioned throughout the Bible. It's a form of worship. It's uh, So our word of the day is music because it's not often that we have folks come in who are so gifted in that way and 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 to talk about music and, oh, come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker so we know a couple things pastor coming right out of the shoot we we know that when we talk about this word music that it's worship and and worship is part of our relationship with god right that's right absolutely and especially when you look at the bible you see all the commands in scripture that's a really cool study of the bible just studying all the commands in scripture and one of the most 
frequent commands in the Bible is to sing, you know, is to, to give thanks, yeah. to use music to glorify God. And so that's absolutely something that's a vital part of our worship. Now, how about someone like me who can't sing? I mean, <laughs> uh, what happens there? I mean, I can write words, I can write lyrics, uh, but I, I just can't sing, but I need to sing, right? I that's, just can't, I just don't stand in the pews. That's absolutely right. And congregational singing is actually a critical part of our gathered worship. And that's our philosophy at Morningside, as right. you know. And we base that off of two verses in scripture, Brother Carragher. Ephesians 5.18. Which I have. Colossians 3.16. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. And, and so we are commanded by the Apostle Paul there to sing to ourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so it's not about the quality of your voice. It's about the heart behind the singing. That it, matters most to God. Yeah. Now, what's the big deal? Now, now again, and, and folks, I hate to do this stuff, but, you know, it's not often that we, we get to talk about these different things and when we're talking of music. Now, what's the big deal? Why is music important? <sighs> Let me put it to you this way. So when I went through seminary, uh, I remember one of the first speakers we had, Frank Garlock. Uh, it, just, it just worked out that way. Frank Garlock came mm. through. Frank, uh, for those of you who do not know, Frank is in hospice care. He's in his last days. And uh, he, he taught us all how to sing, taught us all how to live. And now he's teaching us how to die down there in Florida. Mm. Um, but he came through. And one of the things he said is, you know, when we sing a song, when we listen to a song, when we program a song for church, for an event, whatever the case may be, we need to ask the question, did that bring honor and glory to God? Absolutely. So what's the big deal with all this? What's, what's the big deal with good music? It's about knowing who God is. God yeah. is not just someone that we approach casually, right? Yeah. Uh, the author of Hebrews makes that very clear in the 13th chapter, I believe, where he says, you know, we're coming up to this God. And in the Old Testament, people approached him, and he was on the mountain, and there was earthquakes and trumpets and darkness, and the people were, were so scared to approach him. And now, even under New Testament worship, our God is still that same consuming fire. Yeah. And so how we approach him matters because he is holy. And so instead of asking, how can my music fit around my preferences or how can my worship style fit around my preferences, we always need to be going back to the Bible which is where God has revealed how he himself wants to be worshipped. And so that's why music especially matters, because we need to make sure we're approaching God on his terms, not on ours. It's all about God. That's and, right. Uh, it's all about bringing honor and glory to God, yeah. giving him the preeminence in our life. And uh, and I, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that guy uh, uh, that knows the truth, and the truth is to bring honor and glory to God. The truth is to bring worship. One of the verses uh, you just quoted, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. So singing in grace. So I guess what we're saying, we're not going to stay much longer on this music, but I, I guess what you're saying is this is about grace. This is about worship. This is about preparation too, right? Isn't music a, a way to prepare our hearts to get in the main course of, uh, of a church service? It can be, absolutely. And, yeah. and you, you sense that even in a, in a well-programmed song service, right? As the choir is singing or a special is singing, obviously you're affirming those truths. But it is, in many ways, preparing yourself. Well, and i got to tell you, I can see that, and I can sense it, and I can feel it, because a lot of times I'll leave church, and one of the songs we, we sing will be on my heart and on my mind, 
And uh, even a song we did not sing last night, I mean, uh, uh, Pastor Tom Stuhl made the mention of uh, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus was part of this uh, uh, medley of songs he sang with his kids before that. I want you to know that I think if there's anybody in church who sings as bad as I do, that he's it, all right? And uh, I've stood next to him singing before, and I think we both we both could make an album of the, of the worst singers in any church, but... Uh, <laughs> I'm on my way home, and I'm singing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Amen. And uh, boy, there's nothing better than that, turning your eyes upon Jesus. So life finds you. So I just found out Pastor Antoy is from Houston. You really don't catch a Texas accent. You can, I, I guess you you escape that a little bit in your up, upbringing. My parents are Filipino immigrants, so my friends joke that I'm a Texan Filipino, a Texapino. Texapino. Yeah, there's some good food going on with Filipino immigrants, I'm sure, and uh just thinking of those spring rolls. What do they call it? Olympia. Olympia. Oh, that's good stuff. Oh, praise God, man. I, I'm telling you, we were always in a church where we had Koreans and Filipinos and things like that outside of military bases. So that was cool. Years ago, we had a major Air Force base, two of them in the Philippines. And so a lot of the men would marry these Filipino oh, ladies yep, and yep. They, would, they would move back to America and retire outside of military bases. And it, I just want to say thank you. To every person who ever cooked me lumpia in my entire <laughs> life. So, brother, you're born and raised in Texas. How did you get saved? Tell us about that. I, I was blessed. I'm a fourth-generation Christian, and oh. that is, that's just something that most people don't have, that rich history. But my great-grandparents became Christians, and they led my grandparents to the Lord, led my parents to the Lord, and it was just a wonderful, rich history of Christianity. But, you know, for me, I think a challenge in that is I knew the gospel, I knew the truth, but I, I just learned the rules. I was just going through all the externals, faking everyone out, faking even myself out, thinking yeah, that I could there. please God by doing all these things. So I actually, it was a buddy of yours, Mike Herbster, Southland Christian Camp. Uh, I was about in eighth grade for a winter retreat, and the Lord just moved in my heart, convicted me that I had been faking it this whole time, that I needed to repent of my sins, place my faith in Jesus alone. I don't even remember what Brother Mike was preaching on, but I just find myself moving forward at the invitation time. Yeah. A youth pastor took me through 1 John 5. He said, Jeriel, you know all these things, but he who has the Son hath life. And he had, not the Son, does not have life. These and things have I written that. on to, Yeah. That's right. That's good stuff, man. Yeah, that's uh, that's the verse that was used the day uh, I was saved was 1 John five thirteen. And, you know, folks, we could fake a lot of things in life, but one thing we don't want to get this wrong. We don't want to be living life. I, I remember when I was young and I was a, a new Christian and I was in the faith and I went, to, I went to a church, and it was a good church and good people doing the right things, but you can hide even in an environment like that. Yeah. And, and I'm here to tell you, we would talk a lot of times, whatever you do, we don't go buy this, or this is our barrier, this is a wall, but nobody ever sat around and told us why. Mm. You know, folks, we, we live in a world where we need to know and we need to tell people why. We don't do this because this is what God says. Hey, folks, we'll be right back with you. Hang with us. return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements.
Hey, thank you for hanging with us. So, so pastor, there's these three angels that are identified in the King James Version of the Bible, praise God, or in any of mainstream Bibles, uh, minus the Apocrypha, which we don't believe is the inspired canosity word of God. And uh, so we're, we're looking at these three angels, and I come to mind, and, and I'm amazed by this. This is a study I did a couple weeks ago. So we have Gabriel, uh, we have Michael, and we have Lucifer. And so Satan, here's these three angels, and one-third of them bailed. Yeah. I mean, one-third of them uh, let everybody down, bailed out of heaven. Uh, I mean, Lucifer, we're told, from a music standpoint, we're told that, you know, this guy was gifted, he was a great musician. We're told that he can make himself look like an angel of light. Mm. Isn't that part of the problem we have with music is... Yeah, we can sneak some stuff in there that can just mess us up, right? Yeah, you, you're saying those names, and then just think of the kids' song. One of these things is not like the others, and it's <laughs> just we we absolutely have to be careful. Because... I never heard that kids' song. Oh. Say say the word, <laughs> sing the word, something. I've never heard that. One of these things is not like the others. One of these things just isn't the same. Can you tell? It's something like can you tell which one is not like the others, and then you win a prize at the end. I think it was Sesame Street or something like. Oh that. wow. <laughs> Wow, praise God. So that's not in our hymn book. No, that's, that's not. But <laughs> well, you're singing the special at church this Sunday, right? That yeah, one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll be singing that in uh, Maryland. Debbie and I fly out tomorrow. But uh, wow. So so going back to your education, so you go to camp, you go to college, uh, you're studying communications. Are you thinking broadcast communications? Are you thinking, what are you thinking when you go off to college? I first came in as a music major, actually, because yeah. that's how I became familiar with Bob Jones, which is where I went for undergrad. But then I just, I hated the practice hours, which is ironic that now I'm kind of a music pastor because I hated practicing so much. So I switched to a minor in communication at the time, and then I eventually majored in it, thinking I was going to go into kind of like you were saying, advertising, kind of was just taking marketing internships. Yeah, That's where I felt the Lord leading me. But then finally, my senior year, he grabbed a hold of my heart with my godly wife, who I'm so thankful for. She had gone to seminary already, and she yeah. had just talked about how the Lord moved in her heart and taught her so many wonderful truths. And she encouraged me. She said, would you consider that at least? And she planted that seed. I prayed about it. And through the Lord working in my heart, I said, okay, maybe ministry is what I need to do. And so I went to seminary, and that's when Morningside opened up that position for me to be able to come and just little steps of faithfulness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and folks, there's so much there. It's... Uh, uh, you know, sometimes life starts out a little different, uh, and you think you're going into one place, and sometimes you go into another. So I, I often tell people my first college degree was an undergraduate in American history, or my first four-year degree, and uh, uh, secondary education. And then the Army said, hey, Doug, you know, uh, this should be a business degree. We'll turn this into a business degree. We'll pay for you to get 34 credits, and and you can take Fridays off and go to the University of Maryland while you're stationed here in D.C. And, and I did, praise God. They wow. paid for it. I got a day off and got to hang out with snotty-nosed young people compared to me. But I, I got a business degree. And then I then I buzz over and I get loaded into this MBA program, this accelerated MBA program. And it's, we're looking at things like communication and marketing. And I, I was looking at Army contract and thinking, man, I've got to get a huge contract with the Army. I'm going to make it. Then I get saved. And, and man, God changed everything. Now I see the things that I've learned. I use them often, and especially in my research and things of that nature. You know, the American history degree was a great blessing to me. And and in business, uh, I'll tell you, once I got through accounting one or two, but God completely changed things. And I went through the seminary, 
And, and, uh, and I kept doing school. I wanted to learn more and more about God's word. So folks, if you feel like, well, I, I wasted all my time. I don't think you did. I think there's many times in our life, right? Where we go back and we use things from a communication. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. You know, we, we go to a big church. It's dynamic. There's a lot going on and, and, uh, communications is real. I mean, everybody needs it. I mean, from the preaching ministry, it impacts everything I do in teaching my small group ministry, even announcement videos that we do at our church, it's, it's so helpful, the, the ways that God prepared me. Yeah, yeah, that's one, one area I need help in is making videos. And so, brother, talk about that. Talk to us about what an associate pastor with, uh, you know, music leanings. Uh, tell us, what do you do? What's, what's your job look like? Yeah, I, I kind of separated into three different big buckets. So okay. music is just one of those things. And before I was hired full-time, I was the choir director part-time. Yeah. So that was a really fun ministry, just making sure that the choir is being rehearsed, that we have special music scheduled out, um, making sure that, uh, you know, a lot of the behind-the-scenes of ministry that people don't think about, but scheduling out preludes and congregational pianists and making sure that the Wednesday night song service is covered, just different things like that for the music hat. But then usually if a music guy is there and he's full-time, he's not just doing music unless it's a very yeah. large church. Uh, so I work with our college ministry too, really making sure that we're making disciples of our young people. And I get to use a little bit of music on that as well. Yeah. And then third, my, my third hat is a lot of administrative things. So facilities management, project management, just assisting the other pastors with the administrative side of whatever outreach, discipleship ministries, visitation. That's just kind of Let's go, I love. Yeah, yeah. Let's go to the head of discipleship. So we, we, we've got a, a few thousand people listening to us right now and, and, and more, uh, Count, and thanks for coming online, radio station. So um, parents' discipleship, churches' discipleship. What does a discipleship program look like? Really, discipleship is for every Christian. And so if we're thinking that discipleship is a program, I think we've missed it. Yeah. completely. It's this it's this idea that, you know, I'm weak in areas in my Christian walk that you're stronger in, and I'm stronger in certain areas that you're weaker in. And so really discipleship is just us coming alongside each other, helping each person take that next step in their walk with God. And so a discipleship program can look different in different churches, depending on their leadership team, depending on where they're located in the world. But really, it's always founded upon I'm helping you get to know God better by using his word in your life and the spirit of God working in your life. Uh, and so that's really what discipleship is, if I had to boil it all down. Yeah, speaking life into people, I guess. And I, so corporate discipleship. Yeah. Cor if you had to use in those words, yeah. speak on corporate discipleship. I think that happens from the pulpit. That, that's, yeah. that's my personal opinion. You know, it's, it's a senior pastor's job to make sure that his people know the truth. And so yeah. how you, what you cover needs to be biblical. It needs to be sound, but it also needs to be pretty comprehensive, right? You can't yeah. just talk on your hobby horses or things that you're passionate about, but you need to be teaching them the full counsel of God so that they then will be able to use it for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and in righteousness. I think a lot of times we're very good about the doctrine and reproof, right? We're able to say, this is what truth is, and this is how you're not living out that truth. But discipleship includes making sure that your people know what is the correct way that they should walk. So I think it starts from the pulpit. I think so, too. And, and Sunday school really is discipleship. Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and folks, I encourage you. I think just about everything that God, every box that's been checked off in my life besides salvation uh, happened in that uh, Sunday school 
format and those Sunday school meetings in people's homes and those those get-togethers, those times, boy, did God use people in my life in that environment mm-hmm. where we're sitting down and we're going through an annual or something like that and and talking about things. And, and you know, for me, I, I never did any uh, college online until my doctorate. I, I never did anything online at all because I'm a person that needs somebody sitting next to me asking the question that I'm not thinking about. Right. So I, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly fine at learning things. I retain things, all that, but it's wonderful to have this guy sit next to you and say, so what you really mean by this is, and then wow, it hits you. And that's because discipleship happens life on life, right? We were never meant to just sit in an in a pew for an hour on a Sunday and call that good. And my Christian life's going to be great. But when you're able to be in a community of people who are going to keep you accountable, people who actually know you, right? Where you're able to just move beyond the superficial, the externals where earlier we were talking about where you can hide behind those things. Yeah. Once you get in that small Sunday school or community group, that's when lives start changing. And, and, yeah, and, and that's where it is, folks. Hey, we hate to do this, but we're right up against where we need to be. But we sure do love you. Listen to everything Sister Charity's got to say. We'll be back with you soon. May God bless you. Come back tomorrow to hear more from Pastor Antoy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, Simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.